Good morning, everyone. I have Chief of Juno's Finest with me, JPD Chief Ed Mercer. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. You've come to us today, and it's been a busy summer. You've had starting with Memorial Day all the way up to 9-11. How's it been? It's been a very busy summer. Um, just for those type of specialty details, aside from just day-to-day uh, -day activity of providing public safety in our community. We started with a Memorial Day weekend where graduation occurred. We stood up our detail out the road on both ends, so we showed a, a presence out there. And I think overall, since we have been doing that, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been working. We haven't had any significant events out the end of the roads, and I think people enjoy us being out there. Then we moved right into celebration. It was good to see that we were able to have more gatherings as we moved into the summer, and uh, you know that went very well. And 4th of July uh, also went very well as far as it goes. Uh, it's one of our biggest details where we have all hands on deck. Everybody goes out and works that. It went um, pretty much um, without any issues at all. And then the Ironman event happened, the first one in Juneau. And uh, we had uh, our detail out there helping and assisting with uh, traffic control and for that whole that whole. Um, thing to go through so it, it was quite busy as far as it goes and um, uh, we're, we're, we're looking forward to the fall and I recall around this time there was the uh, annual crime report do we know when that might be coming out that's going to be coming out relatively soon um, just for um, the purpose of understanding uh, we gathered crime data report and uh, put it all together. We we will periodically release um, preliminary reports, and we try to really say it's preliminary. But then we get the final product, and um, we have the 2021 annual report that will be coming out here relatively soon. And um, over the last several years, I mean, certainly before 2017, we saw a high peak in crime in our community, especially property crimes were skyrocketing. And um, since 2017, we started seeing this gradual decline in uh, more serious offenses like aggravated assaults and burglaries and thefts um, go down. And uh, looking at the data as we speak, it, it went from the year before at 22% decline to 34% decline. So there's a 12% uh, decline in part one crimes, the more serious type crimes in our community. So um, that's trending down. Uh, I think it's happening across the state. I, it's, it's always fascinating to be able to look at other communities and see exactly what's going on in their community. And a lot of times we're aligned and, uh, as far as what's happening in our community when it comes to crime. Mm -hmm. And this, these reports, they cover the first two quarters of the year, right? What you're talking about is 2021, so last year's annual report. This was last year. We're always yeah. one year behind, so it's, it's a, the, the 21 um, report. So 22 will be out next fall. Uh, we'll have all that, get, all that information, and that'll be, um, you know, we cross our T's, dot our I's to make sure that everything is accurate, and then we provide that report. Okay. And we had got word yesterday that you're going through some tech upgrades. So could you share that with us? Absolutely. Our IT staff, my, my hat's off to them. They've been, uh, this has been a two-year project. Just to go back, um, we are transitioning into a new record management system and a, a CAD system, which is a you know, caller aid for dispatch system that's used for a call center. 
Um, I got here in 2000 and the department had just recently transitioned from the old ARMA system to the current ARMA system that we just had. Now we're moving into a new system through Tyler CAD RMS. Um, the system that we had for over 20 years, I think done its part, but we outgrew it as far as it goes and uh, it wasn't being supported. So we had very big concerns. There was other um, requirements that were put in place by the federal government through the Department of Justice that mandated all police departments to switch from unif uniform crime reporting to NIBRS, um, National Incident Base uh, reporting system that's going to be able to provide more information, more detail about crimes occurring in the in your community, so that we're able to use that data and provide more information, and in especially in our annual reports or just evaluation of what's happening in in uh, in our community. Um, this has been an ongoing project for about two years, and again. Um, we're moving forward. We just went live with it this week. So our IT staff has been working many, many hours on this. Um, and like I said, it's been over a two year period of time. That's not only gonna support the police department, but also supports the, uh, the fire department and their systems. They have a fire RMS that is compatible as, as same as the police. So when we dispatch the police or the fire department, they're going to be able to get infilled reports as far as what they're responding to and all that information at the tips of their fingers as far as seeing it on their mobile data systems out in the field. And also uh, certainly going to help us support our digital evidence management system uh, that's compatible with it and our online reporting, which I think in the last several years has helped us um, get out there and let people who want to report online report more crimes and whatnot. So with this system, responders would have more information going into a incident, right? So how, how would that work? So you, this, I mean, uh, an example of that is that, you know, you get dispatched to a call, an officer out in the field. All that information is going to be put into their mobile data system so that they're able to see information. They'll both see historical information as far as what that information is. Um, maybe we've been to that residence before. Maybe there's been calls for service there before the fire department's going to be able to be able to do the same exact thing as far as it goes but one thing that is going to even be better even though we've been doing this for a while is field base reporting so an officer can respond to a call and then out in the field they could start working on their police report hit submit and basically it goes to their supervisor so the efficiency is going to be a little bit more quicker as far as getting police reports done also on that end and then that keeps the officer out in the field instead of sitting behind the desk having to fill out all this data and write police reports. Oh, uh, so it cuts down on time. Yeah, it cuts down on time, and, and certainly they're able to just do it right there in their car if they choose to do it. When I was looking up systems like these, I had come across one article talking about a tech upgrade called Z-axis tracking. And the way it was pictured in the article was that if you're looking at a building you know, a call comes in, you got to respond to it. And this system will tell you at what elevation that call would be from. Is this something that might be coming to Juno as well? Or I don't think it's going to be that. There are systems going to be that sophisticated. But what what the officers and the fire department's going to have is they're going to have geo maps built in so that if you're responding to a call, 
where, where when I was working in the field, I'd have these maps and I'd pull them out and I'd look at these maps to try to figure out, okay, exactly where I'm going. You, they're gonna have that access with our new system so that they could just put it in there and look and see exactly where, where they're responding. And that's gonna help in two different ways. One, it's gonna help on the efficiency and timeline of us getting to that call. And two, uh, on an officer safety standpoint, it, it gives you a lot of information that basically you could use to, uh, to, to plan your approach and, and do those type of things. Well, very good. On another point about technology, I saw that state troopers are, are expecting body cams next year. I believe it was four years ago the Juno Department started rolling out their own body cams, right? So we started ours back in 2016, and okay. uh, we, we, we were able to obtain a uh, federal grant, and it was a long process just to even get to We started in 2016, and then uh, as we moved forward to roll out the use of body worn. I think by 2017, we were using those body worn cameras out in the field. So uh, we've been using them for a while. They've been beneficial in our investigations and in our contacts so that it's it's a recorded, documented uh, event that we are able to go back and look at. What do you see the role as body cams? What purpose do they serve, do you think? Well, I think uh, in today's day and age, um, it used to be that you, uh, the public would just believe you and what you say, and now you have a recorded document event that, base, that you could show uh, and use for evidentiary purposes or contact purposes to be able to show what happened in there. So there's quite a bit of benefit with that. Um, it also helps as a, as a training component. I mean, if we are responding to a call or let's just say we have an officer out in the field that um, conducted some sort of uh, investigation or responded to something, we could look at those and uh, that officer, the supervisor could look at that and go, well, maybe you might want to be doing this differently and provide constructive criticism to them as far as saying maybe this is the better way to go about doing things, uh -huh. especially when it's an officer safety thing that you're looking at. So you, you could use that. You could use that as an example. Uh What's the status on the armored vehicle JPDs in the process of acquiring? So I'm really happy to, that we are actually moving forward with the armored vehicle. I think I talked about this a while back. Um, uh, it, it takes a while. Um, we got approval to move forward with it. We're working with the vendor. Um, it takes up to almost a year to get it. So we're anticipating by uh, May of next year of getting our armored vehicle. So it's it's well in the works, it's being worked on. Um, we'll be getting it, we'll probably be sending our personnel down there because they're gonna have to um, do a little bit of training to uh, know how to operate that uh, equipment. And then we will deploy it for our specialty units such as the SWAT team or uh, EOD and so that we could use it in different types of events. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a, there's a system in place for <clears throat> how when that vehicle would be used right who authorizes it absolutely it's not going to be a vehicle that you're going to see out there just out there on general patrol it's going to be used for specialty circumstances SWAT call outs barricaded subjects um, uh, some sort of mass emergency that may happen in in Juneau where we need that piece of equipment we have a mobile incident 
response vehicle also. You've probably seen it around Juno. It looks like a big RV. We used it for memorial detail. We use it for 4th of oh, July. Yeah. We'll use it for specialty events. You're, you're not going to see this vehicle just out there driving around um, responding to calls unless it's some sort of uh, criteria that meets uh, a certain level that we we deploy that piece of equipment. Now, of course, Chief, we're going to need folks to actually be behind this all all this new equipment. Uh, how are you on staffing? Staffing is an ongoing thing. Um, it's one of those things I think as a chief has been one of my biggest uh, hurdles as far as trying to even get over that wall. Sometimes we feel like we make some uh, some progress and then we fall back. Um, we're going to be losing another officer here within the next couple of days to who's leaving to another agency down down in the state of Washington and then we have a retirement that's come that has happened and that officer is leaving so as we stand right now for our sworn staff we're down about 10 officers um, we have three officers currently in the FTO program out in the field that are working are well within that program and they should be released here probably this fall and uh, we're actively recruiting as far as it goes. We also saw some vacancy in our dispatch center. I think we have a couple uh, dispatch vacancies. We're actively ac- uh, advertising for those positions. We do have applications coming in. We, had, we lost our, our uh, fleet mechanic. Um, oh, yeah. um, but fortunately for us, we were able to put it out. And um, I think we're going to have an individual starting here next month. So that's crucial to you know just day-to-day operation our vehicles uh we've had some internal transfers within the organization where job openings came open and um, personnel moved around Mm -hmm. so that it kind of opened up a couple other positions that were open like community service officer position which is well in the process i think we have we're moving through with an applicant as we speak with that so we'll be fully staffed back there um but overall, uh, the officer dispatcher has been one of the most challenging positions within the organization to keep filled. And uh, we just continue to actively go out there and recruit. And I believe that retirement was uh, Officer Quino, right? Officer Jim Quino, yeah, 25 years service. Actually, he started on uh, this day today, and this is his last day back in 1995. And... Uh, uh, Jim's going to be uh, wrapping it up. Matter of fact, he was turning in his gear just prior to me coming here, and he's going to start a new chapter in his life. And, uh, you know, uh, Jim has been just a great uh, police officer, uh, very even killed, able to go out there and do the job, um, gain compliance, show compassion, uh, gain respect from uh, people in our community. He's going to be truly missed. But, you know, my hat's off to him. He did 25 years of police service, and we're grateful for that, and we hope that him and his family are able to enjoy the new chapter in our life. Well, with that, we're going to cut to our break here. So we'll be right back. And we're back with Juno Police Chief Ed Mercer. I was hoping if we could hear if there's been any updates to the incident over at JD where a student had reportedly brought a weapon to school. Last we heard, that was under investigation. And uh, Kevin, that that is still uh, an ongoing case. I know that you know there's two parts that are looked at. Certainly, there's a school district that's going to look into the incident and deal with things administratively as far as it goes. But pretty serious um, uh, 
incident when when you introduce a weapon into the school district so we're, we're we investigated it we were able to make contact with the individual we interviewed um uh collected as much information we can we'll be working with uh with with uh, our other partners as far as it goes to determine what direction we go with that case i believe it's still an active case as far as it goes mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day uh anytime you hear that there's a weapon brought to school and the outcome is nobody got hurt that's a good thing as far as it goes so uh the case is still ongoing what would in a situation like this what would be your your best advice for somebody if they found themselves in a situation where they find out that a student may have a weapon? I think uh, the, the the initial thing is to report it right away. I mean, uh, we live in a day and day and age where mass shootings have been happening across our country on a daily basis. Sometimes um, we see it on the on the news almost every other day. So, reporting that information is critical for at least a response or somebody looking into to determine what level of threat there might be as far as it goes. Um, obviously, we teach different types of uh, programs, the Ellis program that we've taught. We taught it in the school district. We did it, teach it throughout the, throughout the city um, as far as trying to care for yourself and your well-being. Um, you know, certainly react. You can't go on uh, uh, on the on the premise that maybe something is really that innocent. You have to, you know, you see something, say something, and report it, and act, and do what you can to make yourself safe, safe, and others safe. As far as it goes, one of the biggest uh, struggles I think any police department or responding agency that deal with these type of things is, especially in a school. Uh, when there's a report, we have social uh, media out there that is sometimes more quicker and res- faster than we could get word out on, on our end. And uh, you could bottleneck as far as uh, police response just because parents want to get to schools and look out for the safety of their children and whatnot. Um, we ask, and I do understand as a parent that you know, you're going to be very concerned for your child, but um, we have to go in there and figure out what's going on and getting first responders in there right away to secure and control the scene is imperative. So having community support on that is going to be really important in the event we ever have an incident. And that additional CAD technology we talked about earlier, that would help in a situation like that, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be real, real live information that's going to be uh, put in, put into the computer and, and, and sent off to that police officer so they know exactly what information is being relayed that they could use at least until they get there mm-hmm. and then going into the school and, and uh, uh, figuring out what's going on inside the school or, or, or a building. Yeah. On another note, I recall that the governor set out to curb the backlog of missing DNA evidence in Alaska. Tell us about the efforts here in Juneau to collect DNA from people with prior convictions. So about uh, within this year, the state did reach out to all law enforcement agencies across the state. Uh, the Department of Law was heavily involved. The state of Alaska's Department of Law was heavily involved in um, something that should have been in place, but I think we found out that wasn't being taken uh, DNA from subjects that are arrested that meet a certain criteria, whether it be a felony type crime or a misdemeanor type crime. So what the state did is they they gathered information. They went through their database to determine 
who in each jurisdiction did not provide their DNA as required by law and got a hold of uh, those agencies, including the Juneau Police Department, and said you had over 300 people within our community that did not um, did not provide their own DNA. So we got a list of those individuals, and and um, um, certainly uh, since this has started, we have collected DNA evidence from individuals that owe DNA in our community. Um, we have taken a. Uh, approach of trying to get uh, voluntary compliance from individuals uh, by either when we have contact with them out in the field or um, during a call for service that we let them know that they are subject to ODNA and um, ask them to provide that DNA. And that's only if they're part of the qualifying convictions, right? Like you were saying. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it, it has to, it's, it's very strict. It's, it's, it's only if you are qualif- under the qualifying that you have to provide your DNA. We wouldn't go out there and just say, walk up to somebody and say, you, you have to give our DNA. You have, mm-hmm. a, you have a right to privacy and we, you know, you have a, under the Constitution. So we wouldn't do that. It would have to be under authority, under the law for us to be able to do it. Well, Chief, we are rapidly running out of time, but snow is coming soon. So is there any, any just in wrap-up advice you could give to Ju- uh, Juno drivers? I think it's a, a common-sense approach. I mean, certainly uh, right now you can see fall coming on, and with that the weather's going to change and our roads are going to be more slippery and snow's going to come. Um, and that time comes, certainly use good common sense and driving, defensive driving out there. Slow down, give yourself time. Uh, look out for the individuals if you're walking or out and about it's very common that people wear dark clothing maybe they should wear a little bit lighter reflective clothing if they're going to be pedestrians out there um, we just ask people to be safe out there uh, when they're out driving in extreme conditions that we're going to probably see again this winter so uh, unfortunately i'm not really quite ready for winter but i, I think it's it's telling us it's, it's just right around the corner yeah i've already scheduled my tire swap yeah that's coming that's That's coming that's coming so well like you said chief be safe yeah thank you thank you and with that thank you for tuning in this is kevin allen fraction line signing off